Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. a God kind of love because it doesn't expect anything in return. It loves because love is the right thing to do. And that's what Paul had for the church there in Corinth. And yeah, thirdly, that they might be rejoined or restored in fellowship with each other, that they wouldn't have any more cliques, that they wouldn't have no, any more divisions, that they wouldn't have all, all these strives, uh, strivings among themselves. But they would look and see, man, the importance of a brother here and a brother there, that there's no higher standard or, or lower standard, that we are all on the same plane, at the same level at the foot of the cross. None of us are greater, none of us are lower, but we are one in Christ. Today, Pastor David teaches about the meaning of the words Paul used to describe his desire for the Corinthian church. Even though Paul faced criticism from the church, he sought above all to drive the believers towards a mature relationship with God. In fact, Paul encouraged them to surpass himself in the strength of their faith if it meant that they were truly following God. Through Paul, God brought a message that could unify the believers for the greatest battle of their lives, a spiritual battle for their souls. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Joined Together in One Mind. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes in verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, that he's telling them to look at their lives, examine their lives, but he says it in a whole different way than what he does to the Corinthians. He's saying, yeah, I, I believe you're saved. But man, you, you need to continue to exercise. You need to continue to, to work, not, not working in order to gain salvation, but you need to work in the midst of your salvation. Just as he tells the Ephesian church, yeah, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, so that no man can boast. But he also says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to sit on our laurels and do nothing. Is that what it says? No, no. We are created to do good works. And so he says, you, you Philippians there, man, you, you've proved yourself over and over. Now continue to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Not that he was afraid that they would lose their salvation, but this was just an encouragement in the midst of all that they were going to. Paul, he, he even, even for them, even there in Philippi, Paul wanted to make certain that they understood that it wasn't a power in and of themselves, but it was the power of God working in them. Because in that same verse there, or the next verse there in Philippians 2, he tells the church of Philippi that it's God who works in you, 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's true for the church of Philippi, true for the church in Corinth, and yes, true for the church of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande. That it's God that works in us to do his good will, to do his good pleasure. It's not my own desire to do these things. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God working in me, drawing me to do the right things. And I either listen to that still small voice, sometimes pay attention to that two by four that he has to slam me against the face just to wake me up and get my attention. That I either pay attention to these things or I just go further and further away from growing in my Christian life. When we're truly born again by the Spirit of God, there will be a desire within us both to will and to do His good pleasure. You want an examination of your faith to find out if you're truly born again? Is there a desire in you to do the will of God? That's pretty cut and dry. Is there a desire in you that your life would be lived for his good pleasure? I'm not saying we don't stumble and fall. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. But the fact is, is is there an overriding desire to do his good pleasure? Isn't this the fullness of the test? To know rather or not we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Even as he tells the church there in Romans chapter 8, he says, the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Is there that connection within you? Or are you trying to live this Christian life on your own? You're just trying to tough through the thing and do the right thing all the time? Or is there something within you that draws you to it? Even in the midst of failures, even in the midst of struggles, that you're being drawn to follow the Lord. If we are the children of God, there is an actual ongoing work of God's Holy Spirit within us, guiding, directing, reproving, and correcting our lives. Now, we don't always pay heed to that voice. But God still calls for the prodigal to return. Amen. How many of you know what a prodigal looks like face to face? Been there, done that. See, see, see that guy in the mirror many times. The great thing about that is when finally that prodigal says he came to himself, he realized, wow, I've blown this so much. And he turned back to the father. And I love how Jesus gives in that parable. He says, when the father saw that he was coming back, the father ran to him. And beloved, that's the picture that we have of a God of reconciliation. He wants it to come back together. He doesn't stand off back in the back and say, prove to me, prove to me. When he sees a heart that says, Lord, I've blown it. I just want to serve you. I want to be with you. He's the one that reaches out and draws us in. Because it's him that works within us to do his will and to do his good pleasure. Moving on. Paul wanted to be certain that the Corinthians did nothing that would hinder or mute that still small voice within them. He says, do no evil. Do what is honorable. In essence, he's telling them, even if you feel that we ourselves are disqualified or don't have the authority, you need to be found faithful with ongoing evidence of your true salvation. Let me stop right here and let me go off notes for a moment. We can read 
on almost a regular basis, a way too regular basis. Mature Christian men and women, church leaders, both men and women, pastors, assistant pastors, those in, in authority within the church, we read all too often where they crash and burn. And all too often we also read the fact that after they crash and burn, churches get destroyed. They just split. They, they fall all apart. You know the problem with that is? The church is looking at a man rather than at the Lord. I've been in two churches that have gone that way. And, and man, I've seen the destruction of that. Paul is saying, even if you feel that I'm disqualified, even if you feel that I'm nothing, you need to be walking in a way that brings honor and glory to God. That's the word, and that's the call to each one of us. Not because any man says so, not because the leadership encourages you to, but because the word of God declares that we need to be that way, and because God has called us to himself to be that way. Okay, so back again to the notes. As frustrated as I believe that Paul was about Corinth's rejection, about their doubt of his authority, their, their doubt of his calling, Paul's greatest concern for that body of believers is that they would continue to be strong in the faith, regardless of what they thought about Paul. He wanted them to be strong in the faith because his heart was for them. His heart was for them to grow and to be strengthened in Christ, to live their lives in accordance with their position as children of God, in their position and in their place as the bride of Christ. That's why he tells them, we're back in 2 Corinthians 13, down in verse 8, he says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you may be made complete. Now, according to the standards of some men, Paul was weak in his representation. That's what the word was. That's what the false teachers were saying. That's what the mumblings were. Uh, the mumblings were that he had failed in his mission in some way, somehow. That's the word that Paul had gotten back from the church at Corinth. So once again, we kind of hear this sarcasm of the apostle as he comes and begins speaking about it. He says, hey, you know, I might be weak, uh, but I, I know that you're strong. And I would just love to hear how he actually would verbalize some of these things. Oh, you guys are such strong Christians. And I know I'm nothing, I'm dirt. But listen to this. You better stay strong. You better continue to grow. You need to be focused on the Lord and not on man. I see so much sarcasm in what Paul is speaking there. Him talking about himself weak and Corinth being strong. And yet even in the midst of that sarcasm... He declares his prayer, his, his earnest, his heartfelt desire. He longed for the brothers and the sisters in Corinth to what? Be made complete. To be made complete. And I love that when I see him there in the end of verse 9. And this we also pray that you may be made complete. Now your version may have something a little different. King James Version says, this also we wish, even your perfection. The English Standard Version says, your restoration is what we pray for. The NIV says that you may be fully restored. The New Living Translation says, we pray that you might become mature and 
the Holman translation very similar to that. We pray that you become fully mature. It's interesting, the Greek word here that's translated in the New King James as made complete, it's, it's part of a word family in the Greek that means to be fitted out or to be equipped. As a medical term, it means like to set a, a broken bone, to adjust a twisted limb. How many of you ever had a, 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 a like a broken leg or a broken arm? It's no fun to have that thing reset, is it? When I was a kid, about sixth grade, I got hit by a car. It broke my leg real high up on the, I think that's called the femur, this bone here. And uh, they had to put me in traction for three weeks. And so it's like they pulled this because the bone had, had bypassed the other bone. So they had to pull it way out. Felt like they pulled it about three feet out. They had a weight on the thing. And I'm just laying in bed for like three weeks and... Man, it was just a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. But you know what? If they didn't do that, if they didn't get that back in the right place, could you imagine if my bones continued to grow separated from each other? And that's what Paul is saying, man. We pray that you'd be complete. It also means to outfit a ship for a voyage. In other words, being prepared. Also, it comes with the idea of to equip an army for battle. In Matthew chapter 4, Uh, Matthew writes, and he uses the same word, and it's translated that they were mending or repairing the nets. According to Strong's concordance, the root word here is uh, katartizo, katartizo, K-A-T-A-R-T-I-Z-O, katartizo. It had the meaning of, as I said, to mend, to make perfectly joined together, to restore. That's what Paul's prayer for this church was, is that again, you would be mended, you'd be made perfectly joined together to restore. Last week I was doing some work on my house. We have some siding on the back side of our house and through the years, through rain and the sprinklers, the the siding started to kind of get all messed up and so it had to be replaced. And so uh, I took it upon myself to do that little task. And so as I was hammering a piece of this siding, on the new siding, on the wall outside, I heard a crash on the inside. What did I do? What did I do? Number one, I forgot to take anything off the wall that I was going to be hammering on. So I walked inside, and sure enough, a little plaque had fallen down, and a little wooden cross that we had. It's a, uh, the, the inside had been uh, cut out, hollowed, and then just the cross. It wasn't very big. We'd had it for years, and it had fallen. Well, that wasn't the first time that that cross had fallen, nor was it the first time that cross had been broken. So it broke into several pieces. And so, hey, not a problem. I've got wood glue. I've got rubber bands. I can fix this thing. No problem. Well, I went through. I was actually able to caratizo those pieces, to join them back correct together. What was broken, what was divided is now restored, and it's more or less perfectly joined back together. Okay, maybe not as well as it could and should be, but it is joined together. That's that's the idea. That's the meaning that Paul has. Guys, you are so separated as a church. You're divided over here. You're divided over there. Remember one of the problems, man, we follow Apollos, we follow Paul, we follow Simon. They're all over the place. The struggles that they had in their worship services that we looked in 1 Corinthians and Chapter 14, man, people go into your worship services, they don't know what's going on. Because, again, the misuse of the gifts. 
Husbands not treating their wives correctly, wives not treating their husbands or honoring them, or employers mistreating their employees and employees cheating their employers. And these are Christian men and women throughout all of this. And then we get into these other areas of, again, just out and out sin in the flesh and the the fleshly desires of this church. This church was a mess. Paul says, man, I pray that you guys would get catartizo, joined back together, fit fit rightly together that you may be made complete. Well, personally, I feel that this is probably even a multi-sided desire for Paul for that church. I do pray that, yeah, them as a church, that they'd be complete, but I believe first thing, that they'd be rejoined and restored in their fellowship with the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you, church, if we're not walking correctly on the horizontal plane, guess what? We're not going to be walking correctly on the vertical plane. That's in every area of our lives. If I'm not treating my fellow man correctly, I'm not pleasing God. If I, as a husband, uh, not treating my wife correctly, God's not going to be pleased. As a matter of fact, the, the Word tells me, husbands, if you're mistreating your wife, your prayers aren't being answered. So yeah, it makes a difference how we live our lives in this horizontal plane. He wants them to be rejoined, restored with fellowship to the Lord because they've probably been doing church for a long time in the strength of the flesh. You know, you just kind of get into the routine. You just kind of keep doing the same thing. And, and you got got a great meeting time, but no lives are really being impacted. God save us from that kind of consistency of meeting where we just get used to coming together and no lives are impacted. I believe also that he's praying that they might be rejoined and restored in fellowship with the apostle himself. Remember, they had almost gotten to the point and said, you're not even an apostle. You don't have any authority here. Paul says, I was the one that birthed you guys. I was the one that came to Corinth and began sharing. Remember, I was there for 18 months forming the church. I've written you letters, man. I've sent people to you to encourage you and to strengthen you. But yet... They had gotten too mature for the Apostle Paul in their own minds. Paul wanted to be restored back to them. He, he didn't want to be divided. Can you imagine somebody with that kind of a heart, with all that that's coming against them, and yet Paul loved them? Whenever I think of that kind of a heart, yeah, I think of the heart of the Heavenly Father. I, I know that. But the heart that I think of is a mom. You know, when the boy goes bad, the mom keeps loving. You ever experienced that? Yeah. I don't understand my mom, why she kept loving my brothers the way she did. I don't know. But, uh, no, there, there were a few times in my life, too. But really and truly, that, that love that makes no sense. But it's a God kind of love. Because it doesn't expect anything in return. It loves. Because love is the right thing to do. And that's what Paul had for the church there in Corinth. And yeah, thirdly, that they might be rejoined or restored in fellowship with each other that they wouldn't have any more cliques, that they wouldn't have no, any more divisions, that they wouldn't have all, all these strives, uh, strivings among themselves. But they would look and see, man, the importance of a brother here and a brother there, that there's no higher standard or, or lower standard, that we are all on the same plane, at the same level, at the foot of the cross. None of us are greater, none of us are lower, but we are one in Christ. 
And even as he tells the church, man, every, every, every joint and every part of it has a purpose. Within the body, we might look and say, well, I don't need that part of the body anymore, or this part of the body is not important. But believe me, all of it's been given there for a purpose. And the same thing within the body of Christ. What each part supplies to the body is of utmost importance. When you believe that you're not important to the body that you are in, that you are worshiping with, beloved, you are believing a lie of the enemy. God has brought you to a particular body, to a particular fellowship, in order that not only you would be fed, but that you might have something to put toward that ministry. Because God has gifted all of us in different ways. And so, you know, it comes out, where are you serving? Where are you being used within the body of Christ? Or are you just simply a, uh, a Klingon, okay? You're just clinging on, okay? And uh, you, are, you, are you really and truly a part of the body? Within the part of the body, within uh, the church in Corinth, I believe that there, there were those that said, I'm here in order that you might serve me. And beloved, that's not the heart of a believer. The heart of a believer, we come together as the body of Christ and say, where can I serve? Where can I be a part? That other attitude is, uh, an attitude of hierarchy and divisions, and it's no good thing. Paul goes on to tell him there in chapter 13, verse 10. He says, therefore I write these things being absent. That's being present. I, I, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification, but not for destruction. Paul says, I have authority. God has given me the authority. But I'm not gonna, I, I don't want to go in there with, with guns blazing. I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the, the bad cop. I, I want to come in and I want to be a part of the fellowship. I want to encourage you. He's working toward that canartizo, that, that resurrection, or that restoration, that coming together at every level. Warren Wearsby reminds us in, in reference to this. He says, the balanced Christian growth and ministry is absolutely impossible in isolation. Someone has said that you can no more raise one Christian than you can raise one bee. Christians belong to each other. They need each other. A baby must grow up in a loving family if it's to be balanced and normal. The emphasis today on individual Christian as apart from his place in the local assembly is wrong and it's very dangerous. We are sheep and we must flock together. We're members of the same body and we must minister to one another. Paul expressed that thought. He uses that same word that katapizo in his final farewell. Look at verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become keratizo. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. He says, become complete. Become joined together. Become keratizo. Paul saw the church, as I shared, they were divided internally with all of their bickering, all of their cliques. They were divided spiritually. They could not have been in true fellowship with the Lord Jesus with all that was going on 
in, in the horizontal plane. They were divided in their allegiance following so many false teachers, so many false prophets, and they rejected the one man that had established them in truth, the one who was the apostle that, again, had the authority, that had the calling of God in his life. Thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.